Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In three, two, one. Seven things you don't really need to know, but probably should. I'm Jamie East, and this, this is The Sunday In today's episode, we get an update on animal-to-human organ transplantation, scientists are harnessing the power of stars for sustainable energy on Earth, and there's finally good news for coral reefs. But first, it was this day in 1961 that the US launched a four-year-old male chimpanzee called Han into suborbital test flight before risking the lives of human beings. To infinity and beyond, Ham. Almost a month since his blast-off from French Guiana, NASA's newest space telescope has travelled one and a half million kilometres to reach its final destination. From its observation post, the Webb telescope will train its huge light-collecting mirrors to the farthest distance in the universe using infrared light. This will allow it to essentially see through the vast clouds of dust and gas that would otherwise block the view. If it all goes to plan, Webb will look back over 13.5 billion years of history, right to the origins of the first galaxies formed after the Big Bang. NASA astrophysicist Amber Strawn explained just how exciting that is. That prospect of finding things that completely surprise us, that sort of change the way we understand the universe, that is what I'm most excited about with this telescope. We expect the first science images from JWST to come back in about five months. So be getting excited, getting ready for those to come back uh, later on this summer. And we can expect really spectacularly beautiful images to come back from this awesome new telescope. Webb's mission of discovery could last as long as 20 years and will hopefully answer some of the universe's great questions. Just a few weeks after a man with heart failure was given a genetically modified pig heart comes news of another medical milestone. In another giant step towards solving organ donor shortages, doctors transplanted pig kidneys into a human body. Their patient was 57-year-old Jim Parsons, who was critically injured in a motorcycle accident. With Jim's body on a ventilator, researchers from the University of Alabama at Birmingham essentially removed his kidneys and replaced them with ones from a gene-edited pig, the first time this has ever been done. The transplant itself, um, we sewed in both kidneys. That took about four hours, about two hours for each kidney. And then the remainder of the procedure was following him post-transplant. That was Dr. Jamie Locke, the lead transplant surgeon. The new pig kidneys were viable for 77 hours before doctors ended the study, which was then peer-reviewed. Its success is potentially paving the way for these kind of transplants in living humans that could save lives. The NHS estimates there to be around 7,000 people on the UK transplant waiting list, and last year over 470 people died while waiting for one. 
There is nothing worse than having to see a patient in clinic, knowing that I have a cure for their disease and knowing that there's not enough to go around and that they might die before I can give them that cure. Our organ shortage is truly a crisis. And so the concept of being able to quite literally have an organ available when someone needs it is the type of radical solution that we've needed for a long time in transplantation. That being said, this approach isn't without its critics, with some animal rights advocates concerned about the use of pigs for organ donation. I mean, we have been trying to overcome the organ shortage for more than 30 years with human organs, and we're just not able to do it. And I think alternative sources like xenotransplantation are really necessary. So many scientists who have dedicated their lives to this field to get us where we are today. And I am so very hopeful for our patients. Still to come on the Sunday 7, the future of nuclear energy, and we talk to a researcher about what chimpanzees can tell us about ourselves. Of all primates, chimpanzees are genetically closest to us humans. So much so that we share about 98.6% of our DNA. But our similarities don't end there. We also play, have complex emotions and intelligence and a very similar physical makeup. You may be wondering, with so many similarities, what distinguishes us then? Apart from being significantly less hairy and more upright, human cumulative culture, the passing on and sharing of skills and behaviours, has long been held as a key differentiator. However, a new study by the University of Zurich suggests the primates may have a culture more similar to that of humans than previously thought. One of the things that, that we know about human cultures is that it's very complex and we accumulate behaviours uh, over generations. So behaviours build upon each other and at some point they become too complex for one individual just to invent them on their own. And then that is kind of contrasted to chimpanzee culture, or at least that's uh, one group of researchers' point of view. They do have cultures where they do learn behaviors from each other and they transmit this also across generations. But the cultures are much more simple and each chimpanzee should still be able to invent all the cultural behaviors on their own. Catalina Copes is a professor in the Department of Anthropology. She travelled to the Nimba Mountain of Guinea in West Africa to conduct the experiment to test these existing ideas about chimp culture. A group of chimpanzees were given the same tools that other nearby chimp communities used to crack nuts. And then in order not to disturb them, we filmed this with motion-triggered cameras. So we were not there. We just left the things in the forest, put the cameras up and just... Um, waited and to see what happened. The group seemed interested in the tools at first, but didn't use them to open the nuts as the other communities did, and after a few months they lost interest altogether. However, a separate group of chimpanzees living less than four miles away did use the tools to crack the nuts. So this suggests that also in chimpanzees, they really need to learn this behaviour from a conspecific. So they need what we call a model to learn from. It's not the case that... um, you know, just having the materials that every chimpanzees, uh, chimpanzee immediately starts cracking nuts. So this suggests that actually their way of learning their cultures is a bit more similar to how we learn our cultural behaviors than, than previously thought. It doesn't mean that chimpanzee culture is the same as humans. I mean, chimpanzees are not putting, uh, you know, little chimps on the moon, but still it means that we might not be completely unique in having that basic capacity. And it's interesting, of course, to 
also to look at how we are different, but it's equally interesting to look at how we are similar to other species and especially our closest living relatives. Professor Cope's work not only uncovers the complexity of chimpanzees, but it also crucially highlights the deep-rooted connection we have with our primate cousins. The findings were published in Nature Human Behaviour Journal and dedicated to Cassier-Henri Doré, one of the guides who helped with the fieldwork in the Nimba mountain range. This kind of work is absolutely impossible without a really hard-working team of local collaborators. So we have an amazing team of Guinean researchers that we work with, and I really want to give credit where credit's due. I could never have done this study without uh, all the help from our team. On Wednesday, US government scientists announced that they've taken an important step in the long trek towards making nuclear fusion, the very process that powers stars, a viable energy source for humankind. I think this is a very exciting time. People have been working on, on fusion for many decades, and, and this is literally decades in, in the making. That's Alex Zilstra, an experimental physicist from the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, speaking with Reuters. Alex says that the researchers have hit a huge milestone called a burning plasma, which marked a stride towards self-sustaining fusion energy. We uh, are publishing findings that for the first time we've been able to create what we call a burning plasma in the laboratory. Burning plasma is related to fusion energy research, and it's a, a system in which the fuel is mostly heating itself. In the past, we've always had to provide external heating to the fuel to get it hot, but now the fusion is actually doing most of the work for us. Using the world's largest laser, the researchers coaxed fusion fuel for the first time to heat itself beyond the heat they zapped into it. Although they didn't produce a huge amount of energy, only about the equivalent of a handful of 9-volt batteries, the experiments represent a big step in a decades-long quest to harness fusion energy. From there, the next step is actually we want to try to get to the point where the fuel is heating itself so fast that it can overcome mechanisms that reduce the temperature of the fuel. That would be what we would call ignition. Beyond there, uh, we still need to show that we can produce more energy from fusion than we take to actually start the experiment. Unlike burning fossil fuels or the fission process of existing nuclear power plants, fusion offers the prospect of abundant energy without pollution. There's many milestones that are being reported in the last few years. It, it's uh, quite an exciting time for, for fusion. And I think it's also important to note that this, uh, you know, this particular milestone that we're reporting now is, is exciting because it's the first time that we're able to study how the fusion fuel behaves under these sorts of conditions. And that's key for building our understanding to, to guide the path forward. Still to come on the Sunday 7th, the new eco-friendly burial and researchers discover new pristine coral reefs right after this. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
You're listening to the Sunday 7. Follow us for your weekday news espresso, or even try our island edition. It's in all the usual places. In December of 2021, Archbishop Desmond Tutu sadly died aged 90, and in accordance with his wishes, the South African anti-apartheid hero chose to be aquamated. What on earth's aquamation, I hear you ask? Well, it's an eco-friendly cremation which uses water instead of flames to process the remains. The body is placed in a pressurised metal cylinder filled with a mixture of 95% water and 5% alkaline and then heated to around 150 degrees for 6 to 8 hours. This process is called alkaline hydrolysis. It dissolves everything apart from the bones which are dried and processed into a powder to be returned to the family. The water then goes back to a normal wastewater treatment facility to be processed. It's reportedly similar to how a body decomposes underground and is considered to be a more eco-friendly end-of-life option. Howard Pickett is the MD of Resumation, a company that specialises in aquamation and says the process creates zero emissions. Main benefits of water cremation is that there are very little emissions to the environment. We all are aware of the uh, CO2 emissions, the toxic emissions that are prevalent in many areas of our society and what is really good about this process is this alternative to flame cremation is that there are no CO2 emissions from the process. Um, flame cremation in the UK has been seen as a general uh, alternative to burial for many years now but uh, in that time people's concern for the environment and uh, the emissions to the environment have grown. So. It's quite clear that if they wish to express uh, their wish in their, their death as well as in their life uh, on concern for the environment, then there is need for a more environmentally responsible method. Water cremation is currently available in the US. There are about six states where there are equipment operating and then a further uh, 14 states, making up to 20 states, where they have passed legislation to make it available uh, should the, uh, the industry wish that. In the UK, we are working very closely with the industry, the Federation of Burial and Cremation Authorities, and so we in, find it very important to us that we work with the sector, with the profession, to ensure that it's done responsibly and correctly for the uh, public. Between deforestation, biodiversity loss and declining ecosystems, sometimes it feels like there's nothing but bad news in the battle against the climate crisis. But this week, scientists in the South Pacific gave us cause for optimism. The marine science community is absolutely buzzing with excitement after the discovery of a rare stretch of coral reef in Tahiti. When you go there, you just discover an amazing reef that is made of giant coral shape. And so it's like, it's just wonderful. And what is very interesting is that the, the reef, like this part of the reef seems to, to go forever. Some of the coral could be like two meters of diameter. So this means that this colony are old, like almost 20 years. The ends of the coral are just 
amazing. There is no sign of disease. There is no mortality. So this means that they have not been impacted by like human stressor, by bleaching or pollution. That was the voice of marine researcher Letitia Hedouin, who had the privilege of diving and discovering the reef. Unlike most of the world's coral reefs, which are found in relatively shallow waters, this one's deeper, between 35 and 70 metres, giving researchers hope that more discoveries could be on the horizon. We say right now that this reef is like just impressive, just unique, and, and I think it's, it's true, but it's also true at this time. We know so few about like this deep part of coral reef. We don't have very few knowledge, like it's just one spot and on a coral reef potentially you can discover like hundreds of sites like that. We just need to pursue that exploration in the deeper part of the reef. Exploring at such depths poses a challenge for researchers. The deeper a diver goes underwater, the shorter the amount of time can be spent at each depth. Equipped with special tanks, marine experts completed 200 hours of diving to study the reef, including taking photographs, measurements and samples. Mark Eakin is an oceanographer and he too is cautiously optimistic about future reef finds. We'll be seeing more of these discoveries as the technology um, is applied to of these locations, but they are unusual. So, you know, even though we'll find more of these, I doubt this will become a common thing. Whilst progress is being made, the ocean still has a lot of hidden secrets. A diamond weighing a staggering 555.55 carats is going up for auction at Sotheby's and living up to its name, the Enigma. It's an impressive looking opaque black cut diamond and seems like this strange stone could have come from outer space. Also known as a carbonado diamond, gems of this structure have only been found in Brazil and the Central African Republic and scientists have long theorized about their origins. Aaron Celestian is the curator of mineral sciences at the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles, and he spoke to Reuters. We think that uh, most carbonados are about 2.6 to 3.2 billion years old. Uh, that dates back, uh, the Earth is only 4.65 billion years old, so this, this is dating back close to the close to major uh, Earth events that are taking place back then, like plate tectonics and, and oxygenation of the Earth's atmosphere. We think that they could have formed super deep within the Earth's interior, far deeper than what we know of already diamonds. There's hypotheses that suggest that they formed at impact sites when a large asteroid hit Earth, causing carbon on the surface of the Earth to grow into these carbonados. And there's also uh, interstellar hypotheses that suggest that they grew in space and then later found uh, uh, fell on the surface of Earth. So we don't know actually where they come from. Sotheby's said it's the largest faceted fancy black diamond known to ever appear at auction. And if you're in the market for some new jewels, they reckon it could fetch up to $7 million. Bidding closes on the 9th of February. Good luck. This has been the Sunday 7. Wherever you're listening, do us a favour and hit the follow button. We'll be back tomorrow at 7am with the regular Smart 7. Have a great rest of your weekend. Written, produced and published by Daft Doris. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. 
ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.